Servus and welcome to another episode of the Pro Hockey Pod, episode 17. Uh, this week, another D3 athlete. Uh, lots of these on the podcast, common theme, guys overcoming the, the stereotype, shedding the D3 label, proving that it is also a good route. Uh, sometimes you have guys who are late bloomers and they end up going farther than the guys who play D1. Uh, this week we have Nick Miglio on. So Nick is currently playing in DL2 and Selb for the Wolfa where I was working this year, but we actually met each other back briefly playing against each other in the D3 route and then also in Rapid City, but we'll get all to that later. Welcome to the podcast, Nick Miglio. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Glad you could be here. So as I always like to start off, we go back to the roots, right? So believe you were born in in san antonio texas so not exactly you know screams hockey when you when you say that out loud texas hot weather um is that kind of where you grew up and how did you get involved in hockey yeah i mean i was actually born in colorado uh right outside of denver but i only lived there for three or four years i didn't um have anything to do with hockey when I was there. My actually, my parents said I had uh, three imaginary friends when I was like three years old, and one of them was hockey. I didn't even know what it was. It just used the word. Um, no, but I started all my hockey in San Antonio. Um, my dad's from Chicago, uh, but he was a baseball player. Oddly enough, um, watched the Mighty Ducks, and then was begging my parents to take me to a game. So I went to a game and kind of fell in love with it. And then the next day, went to learn to skate, and that was it. <laughs> So speaking of the Mighty Ducks, then you brought up a funny scenario. What was your go-to? Were you the the knuckle puck guy or were you uh, the triple deke? Um, I don't know. I was obsessed with uh, Fulton Reed back in the day. I loved the uh, his his slap shot. And then obviously Dwayne Robertson in the movie was from Austin and he was roping guys. But I don't know. Yeah, probably a knuckle puck. <laughs> That's funny. Guy, guy is fascinated with a guy who takes a slap shot. And I think you've taken three in your life. Yeah, but, uh, literally. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, back to back to you growing up. So, as you said, you moved to to San Antonio there when you were about three or four years old. How was how was the minor hockey uh, like system back then? Like, has it come a long way since then? Like, was there a lot of people playing hockey when you were growing up? Man, it was a joke. Like. We had, I, I think I started in like my house or whatever. Like we just played like the, the two local teams in San Antonio, like the house league. And uh, we didn't even have a uh, official size rink, like, or a stadium. Like, so there was one rink where I learned to skate and it was probably like a three quarter sheet, like something you'd see like skill sessions done on now. And then the other sheet was like a three quarter, like not official width, not official length. Like it was a complete joke. Like the place was called the crystal ice palace. And then, people still refer to it as the crystal meth palace now. Um, but yeah, it turned into a goodwill. And then when I was like a peewee, so probably like 2001, something like that, um, the rampage came in, they were like a, uh, I think there was the iguanas and the dragons and that was like CHL or WPHL or IHL back in the day. And then I think 2000, 2001, the rampage came to town and that was an AHL, um, facility and they needed to, um, build them a brand new like training facility and stuff. So then I benefited from that and that's kind of hockey jumps from there, but um, no, it was okay. We traveled around Texas. We played like random teams. Like it was all like teams in the central league that had their youth programs there. So like um, Odessa and they kind of all transitioned to the North American hockey league from there, but Odessa, um, Amarillo, uh, El Paso, 
And then you have your Dallas and Houston and those were always like the best teams. Well, it kind of reminds me, you just said like when the rampage eventually came there, you know, obviously stuff gets built because it has to support the the pro team. Kind of like what happened in Vegas, you could say like yeah. Vegas wasn't really that popular with hockey and then it just exploded with the Knights, obviously a, a bigger example there. But did you go to a lot of rampage games growing up? Yeah, so many. Like I didn't, I think I've been to maybe five or six NHL games. So that was my NHL. Mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't even tell you how many I went to. Like when I was home and not traveling around, I went to games and um, we always knew people because the hockey community in San Antonio is so small. So I always had free tickets and then um, would see the guys at the rink and skate around with them. And then it's, it's a big, small town. Like I think San Antonio, I think there's like 7 million people here, but it's a small knit community. So I'd see these guys out and, um, yeah, my dad worked for them for a little bit too. So I'd get equipment from them and yeah, it was, uh, it was good for the hockey that they moved here. And then oddly enough, like you were saying with Vegas, they moved to Henderson like three years ago and they're the silver Knights now. So mm -hmm. But at, at that time, had would you say that because of them, like it got more people like definitely interested in playing hockey? Definitely, uh, for sure. And then uh, it's a military city. Like this is military city, USA. You have six, seven bases in San Antonio. So you have the people who come in from wherever they've lived with the military and then get their kids into hockey for a couple of years. And um, yeah, definitely sparked. I mean, it's the same thing that happened with me. I went to a game and um, even now, like, or I guess the last four years or so, like people would say they were at a rampage game and they saw it and liked it. And then they want to learn to skate classes. So it's the benefit of the game man. people yeah. not familiar with it and they see it and you know, it's, it's addicting. It's a definitely a cool sport. Um, so after kind of learning to play hockey, working your way up, and this is somewhere you would know more than me. I'm, I'm obviously a Canadian, so we have different minor hockey, uh, systems, but, you played a little bit uh, for the Chicago Mission, Russell Stover. So just explain, I guess, for me and anyone listening who's from Canada, like these teams you're playing for, like I know they're in a lot of tournaments. Like you guys are obviously going to every tournament you can. Is there also like a league you guys are playing in? And like, how does the structure work in, in those teams? Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. It's kind of a funny story. I'll tell a little bit before that. At two, um, I got cut from the midget team here when I was a first year midget. So San Antonio, Texas, I was one of the best kids in the program by far. And it was my first year midget. And I got cut from the team, um, which I thought was crazy. So I um, had nothing. I was thinking about quitting. I was playing football in middle school slash high school because I was like the eighth, ninth grade. It's weird here. Ninth grade was uh, half middle. Like we went to school at the middle school, but our sports were through the high school. So I was doing that and I thought about quitting and then I got an opportunity to play in the Western States Hockey League, that tier three junior league, which now looking back, it was a joke. But for me, I was 14. I just turned 15 and I was playing with 21 year olds and men, uh, essentially. So I got the chance to skate with them and that kind of uh, made my career jump you know, to the next level because I was on the ice every day. There was morning skates. I was playing against grown men. Um, yeah. So anyways, I played two years there. And once I realized that, you know, I needed to um, get out of there, I went to the mission. But yeah, we have a set league like for it's midget AAA. So I think at the time it was the Midwest Elite Hockey League and like some of the names that I played against in that league. Like it's I don't know, essentially where everyone goes before junior hockey or the USHL or if they go to Canada to play in one of the 
uh, major junior leagues. But yeah, we played, uh, there were teams like third year regions, I guess. So I was in the Midwest one. So it was like a really strong one. It was Chicago, Detroit, um, Wisconsin, um, I don't know, the whole Midwest. And uh, yeah, we'd go each weekend. There was a new tournament in a new city. So it was pretty expensive with all the traveling and flights and stuff. But we'd go to Colorado and play against the West. So there'd be teams from California, um, Vegas, uh, Arizona. Um, I think Texas was in that one at a time. Uh, and then we go out east, we play like against all the Massachusetts team or to Pittsburgh and play against, you know, the Flyers and the Junior Penguins and all that. But uh, no, it was really, really competitive. Like I think Rocco Grimaldi, um, TJ Tynan, uh, I'm trying to think who else. I think Kachuk was in that league. Um, I don't know, a bunch of names. If you go and, uh, elite prospects and look, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, Kachuk, I know, was there because they during the playoffs, they... I think he was playing against uh, when they were playing against Toronto. I think the the third goal. I for some reason I can't think of his name right now. The goalie that had to go in because of uh, Samsonov getting hurt. They were on the same team and like when they were like fourteen or something. And yeah. I think they showed a picture, but uh, that's pretty crazy. Another another thing I wanted to say, like doing that at a young age, it obviously like kind of prepared you for like you know kind of down the road in pro because you're traveling so much, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know someone like myself, you know, we're going maybe two, three tournaments a year, but we're playing, you know, our farthest drive was probably 50 minutes, like in our league, but then like tournaments or whatever, but you guys were, you know, getting a lot of traveling, as you said. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really cool. That's why I'm not like the travel thing doesn't phase me, um, at all as I've been doing it since I was, you know, 16 years old, we'd be traveling to different cities and planes and buses. And, um, we made the most of it. We had some fun when we were traveling and, uh, we were pretty spoiled. We always traveled you know, pretty nice, like flights. And, um, we'd have a team bus that would pick us up. Like it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty fancy. And my parents fit the bill for that. And, um, you know, they treated it as like to get me to college. So that was like my, um, like how people pay for college that was to get me to college. So, and it, it luckily worked out and I'm very thankful for that. And, um, yeah, it was an awesome experience. Well, parents man the sacrifices they make for their kids you know whether it's time financial you know it's all for the benefit of hoping that one day they get to do something that obviously you're still doing today which i think is great joseph wall is the goalie i just remember the name i wish i had known that before but uh one question i had for you, you brought it up before major junior you know some guys go to canada for that was that ever on your your radar or were you always thinking you know i want to get a scholarship one day whether that's the d1 route or d3 route it was i i know my parents always wanted me to go to school um and get an education because my dad played professional baseball and that's something he regrets is he signed a um, major league contract with the cubs right out of high school so he looks back and after playing he played 14 years uh professionally so after looking at that and he was out of a job, you know, when he was done and he coaches and stuff, but he wanted me to get my education and that was uh, important to him. But no, I'd looked at it. I, um, there's a school, I think in Canada, Notre Dame, that mm-hmm. prep school academy. Mm-hmm. I was looking at going to that. And I know if I probably did that, that would have maybe put me in the major junior route or something. Um, and I had looks and stuff at going to uh, the BC and stuff, but nothing ever serious i think i just wanted to play the highest level hockey that i could have played um well there's a camp i did in british columbia maybe you heard of it global showcase Mm -hmm. camp so we'd go i don't know i got scouted at a uh a thing in dallas we had a tournament there and some 
guy with a folder or clipboard came up to my parents and was talking to them. And looking back now, maybe it was a moneymaker, but we did it and went up there and it was all kids from Canada and all over the U S and you play a bunch of uh, scrimmage games. They put you on teams and just a big showcase tournament. And uh, I did that like five or six years in a row, but it actually, uh, and it, it was in British Columbia. So there were lots of the, uh, BC and Western league coaches there and stuff. So, um, I don't know. I, I talked to some of those teams, but nothing ever serious. And after midgets, um, I got drafted in the, in the NAHL. So that was, yeah, I just kind of went that route. I just kind of went where I was wanted. Did you ever, speaking of tournaments, did you ever play in the chowder? The Boston one, like the famous. No, never. No. I don't know how we never played in that. I mean, there were multiple ones that we played in with uh, the Mission and uh, Russell Stover, but never played in that one. Yeah, I just remember like it was obviously like kind of like a summer one, like after the season. And oh, that's right. Okay, so it is like a tournament team thing. Yeah, it, well, it's just literally one weekend, so it was the point of it was it's to get everybody together. You, there's I don't know how many teams there are a hundred maybe and. The point is, all the scouts for whether it was NCAA or maybe late bloomers to junior could go and see these kids, and then they're on their radar for wherever right. they're they're going after. I just wondered if you had ever done that because it's always well, in the Boston. Only, the only ones we did was like Nike Bauer, which was in Chicago, and then um, Silver Six, which I think yep. they have all over. But no, I never never did that one. Sorry, that's my cat. <laughs> I have good. a talking husky and a talking cat. <laughs> A little banter in the background is never bad. Um, so then after, yeah, after you played uh, played midget there, you went and played two years, as you said, uh, in the NAHL for the the Bismarck Bobcats. So you went at uh, kind of an older age there. So, you know, you're ni- 19 turning 20, and then you end up playing. You're also 20-year-old turning 21-year-old year. Um, was that just kind of... You know how it was for a lot of a lot of kids back then, or just you were kind of. Would you say you maybe were like a late a late bloomer? Yeah, it's it's actually funny because I said I played uh, two years of junior in the Western States League, so two years of junior, then went back to midget mm-hmm. and then got drafted. I was actually Mister Irrelevant in the NAHL draft. I was the last pick overall, so I was on Twitter, and that was when Twitter was kind of like new at the time like in 09 or 010 or something like that. And uh, it said the draft has ended. There's no more picks. Cause I talked to a bunch of teams, we went to nationals the few months before with Russell Silver, we beat Shattuck, we got third. So I was like, and I had a great tournament. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm going to get drafted. And uh, the whole draft went It said, okay, the draft has ended. And I fell asleep. I was like crying. I was like, what am I going to do now? And then I refreshed it like two hours later and it said new post from NHL. And then it said Bismarck has selected uh, Nick Miglio. So it said last pick. And then it said that they selected me or that the draft was over. Then they selected me. But um, yeah, that was the way, like if you played your years of midget, then um, you went in that way. Um, I was lucky that I played those two years before because I went in and I wasn't a rookie. Guy said that it was like a, a lower league. So they gave me like, half status so i wasn't a rookie and i wasn't a a vet so i didn't have to do all the the rookie stuff so um yeah but that was uh it was a good time i had a lot of fun up there yeah i mean you played two years there and then at this point were you talking to a lot of a lot of schools like was there both d1 and d3 interests like did you go on many visits like how was that experience for you because that's obviously you know 
as a kid playing junior and once your sight is set on playing NCAA or school of any type, like those are the exciting times, you know, talking to these guys after games, going on visits, stuff like that. Yeah. I, um, there was always a tournament at the beginning of the year and it was a big showcase in Blaine, Minnesota and every team from the NA was there. And, um, you know, it's like a bunch of scouts and stuff there. Cause you have all those Minnesota schools and everyone would travel there. So that was like your big time to shine. And then later on in the uh, the year, they would have like for the older guys, like a um, top prospects tournament where each team could send three or four players or whatever. But um, no, I was talking to schools here and there. Like I talked to um, Cornell for a little bit and then uh, Minnesota Duluth and Air Force was the big one, division one that I was talking to. And then American International, but nothing ever like serious. Like I have a few talks with them and then. I don't know. Things would kind of phase off. I wasn't like a points guy in juniors. I was third line, fourth line, like in and out of the lineup. So I wasn't really a guy sparking interest from division one schools. And then plus they would go after USHL kids first. Um, no, I had a bunch of division three. Like I probably had my pick of division three schools. So St. Norbert's uh, was a big one that I was talking to and they were we were always in that kind of area near them playing games. Um, but the big one was St. Mary's uh, in Minnesota that I was talking to. The uh, My second year in the Western States League in San Antonio, um, the coach, Ryan Egan, he ended up moving up there and he was the assistant coach. So I knew him and uh, they were at a bunch of my games and I was like the the guy they were going after, after. And they were, you know, throwing a bunch of stuff at me, trying to get me to come there recruiting wise and saying I could play for the golf team and because uh, he was the golf coach too, play hockey and golf and do all this stuff. And then, um, yeah, Utica kind of just fell in my lap uh, at, the, at the end of my second year. Um, a friend that knew someone that coached there um, talked to me and I didn't commit there until the end of July. So uh, ended up working out. I was very lucky and fortunate because I don't know if my hockey – route would be the same if I didn't go there or play for like a more recognized school in division three. I mean, Utica definitely like seeing we played against each other. I believe you were a freshman when I was a senior. So, I mean, you know, they had the big, the big nicer rank. And back then there was no AHL team there yet, at least in the years that I played. So like it was packed every night, you know, great atmosphere, always good teams too. Like, I believe that year we both went to the frozen four. Um, yeah. How was your experience there for the four years? Like, how was it? Was it more of a, like, was it a campus school or like, are you in the middle of a city and like your building, like some of your buildings are classrooms as well? Like how did it work for in Utica? Uh, I loved it there. It was like the best four years of my life. Um, met some friends that'll be in my wedding someday if I ever have a wedding or whatever and uh, friends for life and uh, still enjoy going back there. But uh, it was like, uh, it was a very small school. Like I think it was like 4,000 undergrad, uh, something like that. I'm that number may be off, but I know it wasn't like over 10,000, like five, six, something like that. Um, but it was all like sports school. So it was a small division three school and it was all kids that came from like New York city or upstate New York that would want to play like division three sports. And, um, I think there's a big difference between division three hockey and division three football. So it was we were kind of the the big dogs on campus um, walking around and uh, we would play in that, that building, the odd um, and play in front of 4,000 people and the football team would play in front of, you know, 500. Uh, but it was a, it was a blast. And I think, um, 
don't know. I think most people lived on campus, like most of the athletes and stuff, and everything is right there, so you don't even need a car. Um, but our arena was off campus. It was downtown, which the whole city, like from one end to the other, is maybe a five-minute drive. Um, so we were five minutes to downtown. And the cool thing about uh, our arena being off campus is that you could sell alcohol there. So that was the big thing. We get the townies, we get the students, we get you know all the fans, and you know sell out four thousand a night. And when the comets came to town, that was in uh, my sophomore year. They started the year like oh and 15 or something they were getting booed out of the building and we were drawing bigger crowds than them as a division three program over an ahl team so that was uh really cool we'd see them out at the bar and uh i don't know guys would be bumping shoulders and kind of chirping and stuff and i mean little did we know some of those guys were making a million to be in utica and we were paying to or whatever <laughs> division three hockey so it was a it was a good time though Hope some of your guys weren't buying them drinks. Little did they know. <laughs> no, definitely not. I know Markstrom was there one of the years and he was making like 1.1 to be in Utica. And then uh, there were a lot of big names that I think Comfer, JT Comfer. Mm-hmm. This could be way off, but I feel like I recognize that name. I think he played for Vancouver, right? Yeah. I think he, he was he's uh, in Colorado now, I believe. Yeah. Maybe not Comfer. I could be way off. Did he play for Vancouver? I don't remember. I know like a buddy of mine, kind of similar last name, like Conacher. Had I know he was there. Yeah, yeah he too. was there. And it's funny too that I was uh, that like later on. I know we'll get to this. I played in the East Coast Hockey League, and there were guys that like played in uh, Utica at the time that I was playing college hockey there. And mm-hmm. we like, oh yeah, where'd you come from? Like, yeah, I came from Utica. And they're like, oh, okay, I was there too. And I was like, no, I was the the college team. Then they kind of like get a weird look, but you know, it's funny. No, it was the same, uh, like in Oswego, like Syracuse was 40 minutes. So, like, one time, you know, uh, Connolly came down with uh, Johnson, like, all those guys at that point were young before they'd made NHL. And it was, you know, same thing. Like, they had a night in Oswego and it's a good time, but they were, you know, obviously a good team and they went on to have a lot bigger careers than any of us did. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to ask you, did you think going at a 21? kind of helped you like you're more prepared for college because you know that's always a debate of people is should i go as a true freshman should i go 19 or should i wait till i'm in my 20s to make sure that i'm both physically mentally and also professionally ready for the the grind of both being a student athlete yeah definitely i'm uh we always said that while we were in school like i'm so happy that i didn't go as a 18 year old like i there's no way Physically, maybe, I don't know, I matured a little bit from 18 to 21, but mentally, like just being mature. And I know even looking back, like that's 10 years ago, that was I really that mature then. But I think I was, there's a big, um, a lot of maturity going on from 18 to 21. And then especially us being legal and able to drink and um, go do things. You know, I got in, out of my system playing junior hockey. Like it wasn't my first beer um in college and you could see some of those kids like when they'd be out or you see them on campus and they're just so immature and like in class like i know that if i didn't get good grades and i didn't pass or get a's and b's that i wasn't going to play on the weekend so um definitely um glad that i went there a little bit more mature than at 18. what did you uh what did you study like what did you graduate with <laughs> so i went in um our assistant coach, Giuliano Pagliero, I don't know if you know that name. He's a goalie. He, he played at uh, Holy Cross. No, he went to Niagara. I took his place. Niagara. Uh, yeah. I know Pegs. Yeah. So I think he coached uh, He coached at uh, yeah, yeah, he Holy did. Cross after. 
um, yeah, he was, uh, he took me around. Like I didn't even go on a visit to Utica. I had no idea what I was going to study until I like was there. And I was like looking at degrees, like like three days before classes. And he's like, well, here, why don't you sign up for therapeutic recreation? And I was like, what is this? He's like, I, he's like, yeah, I don't know. You get more money for your scholarship if you do this. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do this. So I get there first day and it's like, it was different. It's just not what I want to do, but it's like, basically like, it is what it is. Ther- therapeutic recreation. So it's therapy for like, I don't know. So it'd be like stuff for like games and stuff for people in nursing homes to do. Like if you have like, um, Parkinson's like stuff to get them like working mm-hmm. with, I don't know. It, it was not what I really wanted to do. So I changed to health science and luckily I could change some of my credits over, um, which health science, it was all, um, it's a big nursing school, nursing and uh, physical therapy. Uh, so I had a bunch of uh, nursing. I took all the nursing classes basically. And then my degree was like the, the pre degree before you go into nursing and before you go into physical therapy. So I took anatomy. I took um, what was it, some of the tough ones. Yeah. All those health classes that were really hard. So, and then I'm doing nothing with that now. And then if I want to go into something later, these classes, it's been too long of a gap. So I don't know. I studied hockey there. <laughs> You're not the only one. A lot of people, they have degrees that they'll, they'll never use, or they change two years after uh, being out of college. But so after college, uh, you had four years at Utica college there. Um, first year, I would say full year. I know you signed in, in Allen uh, to end your, your senior year there in the East coast, got some games in, but I want to talk about, so we obviously met each other this year at camp in rapid city for the rush. Um, how was that first year for you, you know, transitioning? So you've just been in the, the college game and now you're going to the East coast, the, the grind, the cheese toast, as they say. And back then too, it was still that, you know, your third line had probably two, maybe three guys who are going to f- get a fight in every game. You know, I remember some tough guys that were in rapid say like Anthony Collins was there. I believe that guy could throw. Yeah. He was um, my one. So, <laughs> so Miglio, you were a tough guy is what you're saying. No, just kidding. Um, so how was that first experience for you? Obviously I was only there for, for camp with you, but you had kind of had some games before, as I said, in Allen, like, did that kind of help you? And then you were ready for that full first experience. Definitely. I went down to Allen and got, um, some experience, which that opened my eyes. Like I knew guys were better than where I was playing, but I didn't realize how good. And so I stayed up in Utica that whole summer after school and after those seven games and skated like every day to get ready. Cause I knew it was like, I got that taste of pro hockey and I was like, all right, this is what I want to do. Like, this is amazing. It's a great lifestyle. And I always wanted to play pro hockey, but now it's like a reality and like I could grasp it. Um, but yeah, I went in, uh, to camp there on a tryout as well. I wasn't signed or anything. Um, and it was a amazing experience. Like I learned a lot. We had a good, we weren't a good team, but I, we had a lot of older pros. So I learned a lot from them. Um, but it was a, it was a stressful year, like going into camp too, on a tryout. Like I wasn't sure if I was going to make the team. It was a really stressful situation. They were releasing guys left and right and guys with contracts were getting released. And, um, luckily I ended up sticking around and making the team and, you know, guys were getting sent down from the AHL. So every day I'm on the ECHL, AHL transactions page and looking who Tucson was our AHL affiliate, seeing who, uh, Phoenix would release to Tucson and seeing who Tucson would release. And this was all the way up until like 
November, December, and I'm still like looking at, okay, what guy's going to get sent down? Like, did I get put on uh reserve? Is that what it was? You I could get put so. on reserve, yeah. which I knew if you got put on that, you knew you were scratched the next day. And it was, it was great though. Like I'm happy that I stuck around and got that full year under my belt, but it was stressful. Um, but at the same time, it was amazing. Like I went to getting a, a paycheck consistently for the first time in my life. Um, year round and every every couple of weeks and that was it was no money at the time like i think i was clearing 370 bucks every two weeks like after taxes and that was more money than i'd ever seen before like when i was home in the summer i'd get you know 50 100 bucks from my parents here and there and occasionally deliver pizzas or mow lawns um but no, it was a great great time and i went from you know living in a college like trap hockey house like a party house to brand new apartment with marble countertops and uh no it was, it was a great experience i loved it and the whole traveling thing and being on the road and getting per diem and everything and it was uh it was a blast like i uh i really enjoyed it just looking back at the roster here like i remember that year if you included the guys who were there on tryouts for the goalies i think there was like 10 goalies throughout the year i mean aiden hill just won a stanley cup was there uh-huh. I think Patterson started with, with Lotz and Charles or Chuck Grant and Chuck lasted, I think two weekends or something. Like it was just, it was just crazy for me it to see. Every, I, every game we had a new goalie. And like, I think yeah. Aiden Hill started the season for us. He came down, he lived with me. It was really funny. I, uh, I wasn't playing that first game. I was the only, or one of the only rookies um, on the team at that point, or that wasn't in the lineup, but I uh, picked him up uh, from the airport and then, I think, or maybe he was there like a day before or something, but I was asking him, like, I knew he was drafted and everything. And, um, I was like, what do you want to do? Like it was game day. I wasn't playing. I got my workout in the morning. I was like, what do you normally do on a game day? I was like, I was his chauffeur. I was like, whatever you want to do. Like I got nothing to do. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I usually, uh, go and shop, uh, before games. And I was like, go shopping. I was like, we're, we're in rapid city, South Dakota. Like there's a Macy's and a, and a Best Buy. I was like, that's all you could really get into. I was like, where do you want to go? He's like, they don't have a Lulu here, do they? He's like, that's all. I usually go to Lulu and, and spend money before the game. And, um, yeah, he lived in my apartment. He went, uh, we took him to Walmart. He bought a, like a huge flat screen TV and a big like entertainment center to put it on like glass, like really nice played that game, then got called back up. And uh, I think he maybe came down a couple more times, but I texted him because we hadn't seen him in a month. I'm like, Hey, what do you want to do with this TV and entertainment center? He's like, ah, just keep it. I don't care. And I was like, okay, so he's got that kind of money right now. NHL, NHL check. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. (laughs) It was pretty, uh, pretty surreal uh, seeing him uh, like play. And then I don't know. I thought he should have won the, won the con smite. He was, uh, played out of his mind like really cool and really small world to see like goalies in the echl or sometimes spl sphl like scott darling right uh and then go up and win a cup and yeah it's a crazy sport and one of the only ones that something like that could happen oh for sure he's got a great story and uh i highly doubt in his mind if you told him that hey in seven years, you're going to want to Stanley Cup for Las Vegas, who at that time was never even thought of to having a team. He mm-hmm. probably would tell you you're crazy. But uh, back to you. So after that season, um, you end up in Peoria the next year. And then it starts to what I've talked about with the grind, with just the being an undrafted, uh, unsigned, basically, you know, unless you're on like an AHL two way or 
kind of thing player you're just getting these call-ups or you went to norfolk you went to kansas city you went to colorado uh they were an ECHL team back then uh the eagles like how was that for you mentally like being a guy like you know because it's it's got to be like at at some point like kind of frustrating both physically and mentally like just kind of living out of your suitcase not knowing how long am i going to stay here is my bag going to be packed when i get in tomorrow kind of thing yeah, it was, uh, like I said, from the year before, very stressful, like always looking. Um, and it kind of took me by surprise. Like I had a full year under my belt and I tore my ACL uh, in April of uh, that year with Rapid City. So I had surgery through them. It was all covered, did my rehab. Um, it's probably a nine month surgery or and recovery process. And I made it back in six months, six and a half. So when the, the time that I had surgery on the day of our last game in Rapid City, and then I was ready to go in training camp. And I maybe I wasn't 100%, maybe I was 90%, but I skated all summer. And um, they released me in camp. Like once I, the day I signed my release waiver and said, yeah, I'm cleared, I'm good to play, um, they released me, which caught me by surprise because I was re-signed as a returner and one of like the seven guys returning to that team. So, um, yeah, I went to Peoria. I kind of, since I had a full year of um, – on, in the coast under my belt, I could kind of pick what team I wanted to go to. And I wanted to go somewhere where um, I was going to get better. And Peoria seemed like a really good team. And we had a lot of good players. Like everyone knocks that league. But I mean, we had guys from Miami of Ohio. We had a guy from, I think, Boston College. Like we had a very good team. Uh, and there's some very good players. And uh, Jean Guy Trudel was my coach there. He was a very skilled uh, French Canadian. I think he played some show games, but he was one of the best coaches I've ever had as far as practices run. Like everything was upbeat skills, um, systems, like, I don't know, you walk in before a game and he had 50 things uh, on the board for face-off plays, for traps, for everything. Um, but no, it was a very tough uh, year. Like, like I said, like always checking the transaction pages and um, yeah, living out of a suitcase. I was living out of my car, so I didn't want to be stranded and without a car. Uh, so every time I got called up, I would pack everything. Like I packed and um, did everything with the notion in my head that I was never getting sent down. So I would bring all my stuff, all my bedding, and I don't travel lightly. Like I've got sheets and TVs and coffee cups and blenders and crock pots and all this stuff. So I'm going from place to place and apartment to apartment. And yeah, I was a uh, very, very long year, but um, it made me stronger mentally and um, learned a lot from it, met a lot of friends. Uh, I called it the uh, Tour de ECHL. So I did uh, from Rapid City to Peoria to all the way out east to Norfolk, Virginia, back to Peoria, Kansas City, back to Peoria, and then Colorado, and then back home to Texas. So I put on some uh, some miles that year. Yeah, I mean, that's just crazy um obviously as you said you you learned a lot it taught you kind of how to persevere uh build on that mental strength i just looked at the peoria roster and i'm i'm just laughing inside you played with mr sphl himself peter DeSalvo. yeah he uh so he's my age he was first goalie taken the ohl draft uh you know had a good OHL career. And then I think he was in, I don't know how many years he, I think he finally is done now, but he played at least like 10, 11 years there. And I think he has the record. Does he not for most games? Probably. Yeah. I know there was another goalie when I was there, Eric Levine. Yeah. Uh, is that right? Did I, yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he went to Robert Morris. I thought. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. he played like same thing, like however many years. I think he might have just retired, but he won. Uh, they won a cup like two years ago, which was cool because they're in the finals like every year. It's, mm-hmm. And they just didn't close it out. But um, yeah, there were some big names, and then there were also some, some gong shows in that league. Like it was, it was a big different like difference between the top and bottom guys, and it, it was fun. Like we played in some big arenas and um, had some good crowds, and I was there like trying to get out of there, which I had fun. And I was a veteran guy, even on that team with one year under my belt. Um, but I still felt like I had a veteran presence and um, learned a lot from that coach. And, um, you know, I'm happy that I went there and, uh, you know, it's another story or another chapter in the book. Well, sometimes you need it, honestly. Like I, I've said this before, before I signed in the Dell too, I, I'd had a good year on a bad team in Norway and I couldn't find a job. And that's when we met each other in, in Rapid City. And then later that year, I just because a buddy got traded to, to Fayetteville, I, I went to Fayetteville and was fully content with, hey, I'm going to play here this year. And then maybe next year, if I have a good year, I'll go back to France because I played in that top league a couple of times or for two years. And, you know, I was there luckily two weekends and uh, randomly the Del 2 opportunity came. So I think sometimes it's, you know, it's definitely given a, a bad label. It's it's better hockey than people give it credit for. And sometimes you just need a reset. You know, it's better to get ice time than to, you know, like you said, in Rapid City, you were looking every day, hey, am I, am I in the lineup? Am I going on reserve? And sometimes, you know, when you go to Peoria, you're put in better situations, going to get more yeah, ice time, power, the power play. play and yeah. first time penalty kill. And I knew I was in the lineup. So, you know, got me a, gave me a chance to get some confidence back and, um, yeah, there were some good players there, like I said, but, uh, no, sometimes you need that. And uh, it's funny, like I was probably making more money there than I was in the coast because in the coast you have your, your players dues and your union, uh, union mm-hmm. dues, uh, PHPA stuff. And, um, yeah, I was, and I know that there's guys who are making double what I was making there. Like they could play in the coast and have a real good, um, career there, but they, you know, they want to be in one spot and not have to worry about AHL guys and, They'll go and make uh, you know double, triple what they make in the the East Coast to play in that league. So it's yeah, it's fun, and you play in some cool cities too, like down in the South and um, Memphis and what's a uh, Memphis and where, where are the Volunteers at the Tennessee uh, that's in uh, Knoxville, Knoxville, crazy city. Like I couldn't believe that, and then Peoria, Illinois. Like that was a team before I. Um, signed or officially signed my contract in rapid city that was a team that i was looking at going to i had a tender i think is what it was or a a tryout agreement with them so i looked at it when i went to rapid city i was like okay if i don't make it in rapid city i was like i'm gonna go live on the beach in pensacola and it's Mm -hmm. like million dollar apartments like beachfront like white sand so i was like all right win-win like i play in a higher league i get a little bit more money and better hockey but if not then i go live on the beach and <laughs> enjoy myself so no well, it's not bad as you said um and then after uh so after that year you decide to head over to europe um your first stint of two in in selb and then you went to Essen to finish this year i was always curious what made you personally I don't want to say take too long, but just knowing you as a player, like you have tremendous speed and you have good size and you're, you're physical as well. So like a guy like yourself being able to go play on Olympic ice versus 
you know, on the coast and SPHL, most rinks I would assume are NHL smaller. Like what made you kind of want to try the North American route first before heading over to Europe? I just didn't know any better. And I think you have to have like um, some sort of resume or background in um, the U S to get over there, unless you're going to play in like some sixth or seventh league or something somewhere uh, and make no money. But um no, my dad was always uh, insistent on that. He had knew, known guys from San Antonio that had gone over to Germany and coach or guys when they left the AHL still lived here uh, in San Antonio. They would go play in the Dell and then come back. And they always just talked about how much they loved it. Um, there's a, a Mike Green that I know. Um, he's not the Mike Green, but he's a, the second Mike Green, I guess. And he played uh, for the Rampage here. He was one of the stars. Um, I coach his son now here in San Antonio, but he had left San Antonio. He went and played in the Dell and he would always come back and tell stories and how much he loved it and stuff. So that was always in the back of my mind. And um, my dad always wanted that as well. And um, our senior, no, it was my junior year at Utica. Uh, that's another selling point that they have for um for recruiting to get guys there is we take a trip every four years. So each uh, class gets to go once, but you go over to Europe and we spend a week there. We uh, flew into Munich and then we drove and spent uh, most of the time in Bled, Slovenia. And we played against some pro teams like uh, Olympiana, Ljubljana. I don't know Mm -hmm. how to say that. Uh, It's the Slovenian team. Now they're in the Alps league, but we played two or three scrimmage games against them um and that's good for them for preseason and we get to see the lifestyle and how they're living and um get to experience european hockey and it's funny like i wasn't much of a points guy in college but when we went over to um to europe and played and i was like leading the 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 team in points and stuff and played well and it's just the olympic ice i think for me and uh the lifestyle too like waking up going to have a coffee walking around the old town and um having a crepe or something. And I don't know. I loved it. It was, it was a blast. Yeah. I mean, obviously it seemed like it kind of fit your game more and, you know, your first uh, full year there, you know, you had 56 points and and 41 games between the two teams. And then you made a quick stop back in Wichita before heading back over to, to Germany three there. And then obviously found a home in, in Selb. One of the questions I had for you, obviously, you know, first I'll say when you went back to Selb, was there always talk, you know, Hey, we're, we're going to get to the second league. Like that's our goal. Like we need, we want to get promoted. Yeah. I mean, every team that I was on, that was always like when we talked contracts or when my agent at the time would talk contracts with these teams, they would always say like, you know, you're going to get a big bonus if we win or if we get promoted. And I'm just like looking at, the rosters and teams and I'm like man there's no chance like maybe on a team here or there I'd see stuff but it was always like the three teams like Rosenheim um Hanover Scorpions or some of these other teams and I was just like there's no way we're gonna beat these teams and like but that year going into Zelb like I realized like you know I I had a lot of confidence and I was you know about a goal a game at that time and then I saw like okay we're bringing in Brad Snetzinger and he was player of the year the year before he put up like 100 points and the next closest guy was 80 or 70 or something like that and uh you know I saw some of the the guys we were bringing in but um it was in talks and every team is serious about it I just really didn't um you know, look too much at that at the time. I never really 
I don't know. I don't know how to say it. I just, it wasn't like a reality. Like I'd never won a championship. I'd played in maybe three playoff games. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, everyone always wants that. That's the goal at the beginning of the year. Before we talk about, obviously, you guys in your historic season and the Delta promotion and Salve, I wanted to ask you, so once you got over to Europe, you know, you're putting up points each year in the in the third league there, you know, as I said, uh, 57 points, then 51 and, and half a season and then 67 in Salve. Were you, were you ever getting frustrated or like what what kept pushing you to to train every summer to want to get better that you weren't get maybe getting other opportunities. Like no one in the Delta was giving you a, a, a sniff or a team in another league at a higher league. Wasn't calling and being like, Hey, like, would you like to come play for us? Cause obviously if they see you on video, they see that you're obviously such a dynamic player, as I said, very good with your speed, but was it ever getting frustrating to you being like, Hey, like I see this guy signing the Delta two and like, I'm doing this and I've been in this country. Like how come I'm not getting these opportunities? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know, maybe I backtrack a little bit and tell my kind of story of that first year too, and then I'll kind of lead into it. Um, so I went over and I had a, uh, there was an agent that knew a, um, an AHL coach over here that Greg Ireland is his name. He coached in San Antonio and everything always comes back to San Antonio. So my dad worked for, uh, uh, worked for the rampage for a bit, um, doing stuff with their equipment, cleaning stuff. Um, but he knew him and always kept in touch and, he ran little skates in the summer and I knew his son and stuff and trained him. Anyways, long story short, he had an agent that he put me in, in touch with that was in Germany. And he's like, Hey, come over here. We have a, uh, a tryout opportunity with the Hanover Indians. And I was like, yeah, great. I'll, I'll go there. And I was thinking it was like an actual tryout and luck, you know, I didn't know it. I flew over. I brought all my stuff. Like I said, I brought five, six bags. Like I was moving over there for the year and um i said i was going to fly my my way over there because my mom's a flight attendant so i got uh really cheap uh airline flights and flew over got picked up and show up the first day of training camp and meet the owner of the team and they're like what are what are you doing here and i was like oh i'm here for the tryout and he's like there is no tryout and they had two imports already because in the oberliga at that time that you're allowed two, and it was Branio pahanka and chase norish and uh so then I call this agent. I'm like, what you, why'd, you, why'd you send me here? I was like, they're full on import players. And they were waiting on Pahanka, their captain, to get his German pass. And that's what why they flew me over there. So I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'm already in Germany. Like, what what am I doing over here? And the coach, Lenny Socho, um, at the time was like, yeah, you can skate and do two weeks of training camp with us. And then, you know, you're kind of going to have to go on your way because we have a season. So, um yeah, luckily enough, uh, Zelb called me or called my agent and was like, Hey, you can come here for a month and a half. Their import, Ryan McDonough, uh, broke his hand the day before in a car accident coming over to, uh, Zelb. So you can come do training camp and start the first half of the season with us. And I was like, yeah, I'm already over here. Like got nothing else. So that kind of just like fell into my lap. I don't think they wanted to pay for or wait for somebody to fly over and fly back. And I was already in the country. So that worked out. So um yeah i had a, a really good training camp there and we played preseason games and like first three games i had like hat trick hat trick hat trick and i was like all right i like germany it's uh it's fine and then season started and i couldn't score a goal i was hitting five posts six posts a game like getting breakaways and just couldn't score i mean i had eight assists in seven games and had confidence i just didn't score and then when mcdonough 
was healthy again. Um, his first game back, he put up four or five points and that was kind of it for me. They weren't going to sign me because they would have to pay him out or release him. And I was on a temporary contract. So yeah, I went to Byroid and this is kind of where the story got funny. Like I went there for a tryout, which was 40 minutes down the road from Zelb and, um, was skating with them, skated with, uh, Jarvalainen and uh was there for two and a half three weeks and they're the 14th place team out of 14 or whatever it was at the time they're losing every game six nothing five one like and uh yeah i just wasn't even getting a sniff in a game nothing like i was just there skating with the team it was like me and like some junior kid wearing a cage and then some like defenseman forward whose dad like had something to do with the team and that was my line while i was in byroid on a tryout and uh yeah. So like to what you said, that was kind of like my intro. And then later on, like I signed an Essen and that was a full, um, full season contract. And I finished the year there, but, uh, seeing like when I was in Byride, like I was, I could be an import there and play. Um, yeah, it made me work hard and I was frustrated obviously. And I always tried to get, um, you know, looks into the Dell two, but my agent at the time said, you're never going to play in the Dell two, unless you put up two points a game in the Oberliga or unless you, um, he just basically said, it's not going to happen. And that's why I later ended up firing him. And then, yeah. So if that kind of makes sense and answers your, uh, your question. Well, there's a lot of stuff to dive in there. Just, I know personally, because I was still playing in the league, that was my last year. I know, I think that was the first year that they demolished the I don't know how to say this. Like there was a a loophole to get guys over. Mm-hmm. So when I came over, I was on a full year contract, but they told the media, oh, he's only in a four game tryout. So they didn't have to spend a license on me. You get four games. If they want to keep you, then they pay the license fee. If they don't gas yet, like we had guys coming out. And I think that was the first year where they got rid of that. And you can only have six licenses. Yeah. So then it becomes a huge thing for the, the GMs being like, okay, hey, we've already... Normally, we've signed four imports to start the season, so you have two left. If they sign someone like you and it doesn't work out, then they have one license left to to either fix that or fix an injury or, or whatever. So it's it's obviously different that way. But it's funny. I didn't know that. Like, it's crazy how, you know, you went on a little roller coaster there. And then, you know, obviously... I moved to Germany because I was sick of the traveling. And then I was just <laughs> doing it in another country. And instead of doing it with my car like I wanted to, I was doing it on the ICE, ICE train. I was, oh man, I was like a walking gong show. I had my hockey bag. I had like five sticks taped together and I had my like duffel bag full of like my Xbox and electronics. And then I had my huge like roller suitcase and I'm trying to go in and out of the trains. And then I don't know, I'm booking this stuff myself. So I'm going on a big, like, you know, kind of like a plane type train. And then I get onto like a city train and I'm still like, it's like, there's no room for my luggage. I'm literally like sitting on my bags and people are like stepping over me and it was, uh, yeah, just another story. <laughs> Been there, man. Done that for sure. Um, but then, as you said, so eventually you get rid of your agent, which is a point mm-hmm. I want to get to later. But then you get you come back uh, after going to Wichita briefly. You go to Hala. Um, I know the story of what happened there. Not sure if we want to say it, but uh, um, pr- pretty matter. funny one. <laughs> yeah, um, that was kind of why I fired my agent too. He was not getting me the money I thought I deserved. And, um, didn't really have big plans for me. Like 
as I did, he kind of looked at me as just a number and I wasn't happy. He couldn't get me a job. Like even after my year in Essen, he couldn't get me a job. And, um, yeah, I had a contract in Hala and, um, I was, you know, leading the, I was almost a goal a game and I was one of the top guys and the co- coach kept, we had three imports of so me, Chris Francis and, um, Mosienko at the time. And we were kind of, I would played the full season with Francis and then when Mosienko was healthy again, he came back and it was kind of me and him. And then we started having these little tryout weekends and stuff and uh, played the pre-playoffs, beat Essen, my former team. And then the playoffs came and he said, we're going to go with the other two. And I was the only one re-signed. And I was just like, I'm I'm the only player re-signed or the only import and you're going to play the other two. Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, I feel like I'm being disrespected and you know, I led the team in points, uh, during that time that I was there too. Like how, so I just felt like it wasn't the opportunity. And then luckily, uh, ended up talking back with Zelb, um, again. And, um, yeah, it was the best thing that ever, that ever happened. And the COVID hit that, that year and the season got canceled. There was no playoffs. So it was like kind of the perfect ending for, for me. I didn't have to sit in the stands and watch my team play playoffs. Couple, uh, Couple Hellbrenner Falcons on your team that year. My my buddy Kyle Helms. Yeah, uh, great guy. Unbelievable guy. He uh, always comes to the rink with a smile on his face, and uh, yeah, great, great guy. I still keep in touch with him. Yeah, I talk to him too sometimes. He honestly, he when I moved to Hellbron, his family took me in because they were another thing they do in Germany. Uh, if people don't know this, a lot of times when you get apartments, the people that had the apartment before, they take their whole kitchen with them. And when I mean whole kitchen, I mean everything. I mean the cupboards, I mean the oven. So like I moved into this brand new apartment. I had no oven and our our equipment manager had to build it when he was done working at the rink all day with us. So like it took a month. So the Helmses uh, took me in. I joked they were like my second parents. So I was eating meals there every night, um, allowing me to use their internet. So they were great people. And then also uh, Mark Heatley was there. Oh, uh, yeah. So he uh, he was with me my second year. Um, another good guy. Good to go to Hala. I looked at their roster and I remember Francis was like the year before when I was in Essen. He came in and was putting up you know like over a point a game or like three points a game. I think his first game there, he played against Tilburg and had a hat trick. And uh, yeah, I saw Heatley was there. And when I was in Bayreuth, Heatley had the gold helmet. So I was like, man, this team's gonna be sick. And then I get there and Heatley's like nowhere to be found. And I was like, where's where's Mark at? Like we're on the ice first practice and one of the guys points and he's running bleachers in the stands. And I was like, what is he doing? And they're like, yeah, they want to kick him out, but he's not going to like, uh, he's not going to go. So they're just making him run bleachers every day until, until he decides to quit. And then we got a new coat. Herbie Herbert Hohenberger was there and he ended up leaving. And then we brought in uh, a new guy. I can't even remember his name. And, uh, yeah, they uh, they gave him another chance, and then I think he ended up finishing the year there with uh, bad tolls. Uh, I think is that does that sound right? Heatley left from yeah, I think because he went to the Dell too, and after that, but yeah, it was a interesting place. Hala, he's he's I have a hilarious story of him. Like great guy. This guy every morning's either eating sushi or salmon with bread in the in the room. But one morning we were getting ready for a road trip and. Uh, our coach back then was very big on lifting on game days. And I, when I mean lifting, I mean lifting heavy. So anyways, so we had a meeting and we were supposed to lift before the meeting. And Heatley just was like, 
no, I'm good. I'll, I'll chill at home. And so he missed the meeting, uh, didn't work out. And then he showed up 30 minutes before the bus was going to leave to work out. And just like, it was like watching him and the coach have a conversation was hilarious. Cause he's just like, like Healy's just like, what do you mean? I'm doing the workout. You want me to work yeah. out today? I'm doing the workout. Like what's wrong. And <laughs> the coach is just like, okay, whatever. I don't even want to get into this. Like, it's just, that's just how he is. Like he's on his own, uh, own page. Yeah, at times, he, but- no, he was every time I've, been with him or seen he's just on his own like super nice guy but yeah on page for sure and um yeah the guys in Hala like the Germans didn't really understand him and they didn't I don't wouldn't say didn't like him but they just I don't know they yeah they didn't understand him like they always called him the garlic man he was always eating like raw garlic for the health benefits on the bus and um yeah he had like 50 pairs of steel and he was always going through like changing him he'd be looking at him before the games and a uh, different guy, but really, really skilled and good centerman. And uh, yeah, it was fun to fun to play with him. Really smart guy too. Like he's talking to him just about like school and like business and stuff. Like he was really, really smart that way. Um, one thing I wanted to circle back to, just because I was want to bring it up, and this is another reason why I want Javi on the podcast because you're like outside the the stigma of this, and and like it's not to be negative on the podcast, but it's true. It's very rare that a D, uh, sorry, that a an overleague import is going to make it to the Delta two, because of once you get to the Delta two, like the the pool of imports available are guys who played like AHL, Coast, high leagues in Europe. So it's a bigger risk to take those guys. It's nothing against those guys. Some of them might be better than those guys. It's just the reality of the situation. And you yourself, obviously, you know your agent didn't really believe in you, but you did what allowed you to get an opportunity, and now you're known for being a Dell two import was winning with your team. So let's talk about the season with Selb where you guys obviously won and got promoted to the Dell two. Yeah, it was uh, like the dream year minus a couple things. things. Uh, so it was right after that first uh, wave of COVID. So we weren't sure if there was going to be a season. And I was so excited. I signed a, a big new contract that I was really excited about. And going back to Zelb, it was, uh, when I left there after those eight games, like they wanted me and they wanted to keep me, but they had, like I said, McDonough under contract and it just, they would have had to pay him out and it wouldn't have worked out. And there had always been like talks here and there between my agent or me about getting back. And then finally I was back and I felt like, and I really enjoyed my time there and I really liked everyone like Peter Pollan. And, uh, I remember Lanny and a bunch of guys there. Like I really enjoyed my time there and I just, um it's a small town i just wasn't sure if i was ever going back so i was happy to be going back but it was covid so we went there in like october i think thinking the season was going to start right away and then it got pushed back another three weeks and uh we were skating maybe secretly like i think we were allowed to skate once a week and we were skating three times a week but i think every team was doing that and uh we were, uh, I don't think you were legally allowed to get paid at the time. And we had started our contracts and some, but anyways, there was, um, yeah, we started the season on time and, um, there were no fans or I think there were maybe like, you were allowed 500 for the first couple of games. And then right away, like for the majority of the season, no fans. Um, but yeah, we just, we lost our uh, first game of the year to, um, Regensburg. We lost two to one and um my big thing was like me and my dad talked about it my dad not really my agent but he's kind of like my advisor like he played pro sports for a while and he understands stuff and he understands the game but we talked about like and it was talked about when i was in zell before was 
I didn't score when I was there. I had eight games or seven games and eight assists. I mean, I knew I could score. And immediately when I left, um, when I left Zelda and went to S and I, you know, I was like goal, hat trick, goal, hat trick or whatever. And, um, yeah, my big thing was getting off to a hot start in Zelda. Like I wanted to score the first game and I did, I scored the first game of the season and first goal of the season. And, um, yeah, we lost two to one that game, uh, to Regensburg. And then, uh, next game we go to Fusin, which is a team that we should beat. And we were down two nothing, uh, to them with like, uh, I don't know, two or three minutes left in the third period. And we had gone in, uh, we had like a call the timeout and, you know, pulled the goalie and we ended up scoring two quick goals and then one in overtime. But we went on our phones after the game and we're looking and you know how like the fans are in Zelb and they're really passionate. And they had posted something halfway through the third period. And it was, um, it was like, oh, and two to start the season. And it was like this whole, this team, cause they brought in me, they brought in Snetzinger, you know, we'd signed some other guys and um, we were supposed to be like, a, you know, a favorite for the league that year. And it was a big thing, like starting the, the year Oh, and two, but we won that second game. Um, and from then on, I think we won like 15 in a row or something. And we never lost another game in the regular season at home. And uh, yeah, it was a special, special year. I just, caught fire. I was kind of scoring every game there. I think I was over a goal a game for uh, a majority of the season and uh, playing with Lanny Gare, um, veteran experienced guy. And then Steven Deeg, it was uh, like a dream year. Like we had very good chemistry and uh, Lanny was really responsible and would win draws and kind of hang back because he knew I would want to cheat and get breakaways. And he just sauce it into the neutral zone and I would kind of chase it down and go for breakaways. And yeah, it was a really, uh, really fun year. Fun year. And obviously, as you said, you guys got it done in the end, uh, you know, beating Hanover, I believe, in the in the finals there. Um, seen a lot of pictures, f- funny moments. Some guys didn't take their equipment off. Um, yeah. But uh, no, to back to what you said, like, obviously, I've worked in Selb. It's a great little city. Like if anyone who enjoys like little cities, like I know me personally, if I had the choice between a, a big city I, or a little one, I prefer the little just because of where I've grown up in my life. And, you know, the fans are passionate. Uh, they're there every game. They're cheering whether you're winning or losing. It's a it's a great place. And I'm happy that, you know, the team has been able to stay in the Dell 2 now. Obviously, they've kind of hung on that first year, uh, with, dealt with a lot of COVID, a lot of other stuff, players coming in, coming out. And then even last year, you know, we we made some strides and now this year it looks like you guys are going to have an even better team as, uh, on paper, adding some really big names there, but back to you, I wanted to ask you, this is a little funny question talking about sell. How does it feel to be such a big celebrity there? Like <laughs> every time I'm with you, we would go to coffee, go to dinner, whatever it's, there's someone who recognizes and you just hear them under their breath. That's a snake. And, uh, <laughs> You know, so how does that feel? You know, kind of funny. It's it's really funny. It's that's kind of like like you were saying about the the big city versus the or the big yeah big city versus the small town is like you don't probably get that in Dresden or in um, I don't know maybe not even Halbron or some of these other um, I'm trying to think of other teams like you probably don't get that. But Zell, but I mean, it's a city of like what fourteen thousand, ten thousand, maybe even if that. Um, so yeah, like everywhere we go, we've got the Zelda Wolf cars and, uh, our logos and stuff. And yeah, they think like we're NHL there and, um, 
I had a few good years there being the top scorer for a couple of years and then winning a championship and uh, all that. So yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. Like I always laugh, like, cause it happens when, if I'm with, you know, the other guys or um, my girlfriend at the time now, uh, Brittany or, um, you know, even with my family, but it's, uh, it's really funny. Like I get a kick out of it. Another thing I want to talk to you about, you just mentioned it, like you had an agent and then you got rid of them. Like, now I believe you still represent yourself. Like how, how has that been for you? Like, why do you, why do you do that? Because especially now with these working in the Dell too, like, you know, some guys, you know, it's frustrating having to deal with like, if a team low balls you, you feel like you need more, like not take it personally where it's sometimes you have someone else representing it's just cause like, you're one of those people like, who knows me better than me. And this is my life. So I want to be the one handling my business. Yeah, that. And then I don't know, like when I was in Hala, like guys talk in the locker room, obviously, and they know like, oh, this guy's making this and this guy's making this. And just the numbers that was were getting to my agent and then getting to me. And I'm looking across the room at a guy with, you know, half the amount of points and a quarter of the goals of me. And he's making, you know, X amount of dollars more. And I'm like, how am I not getting that money? So I like basically said like told my agent like it's no disrespect or hard feelings it's a business and i feel like i can represent myself more and um i talked to guys about what they negotiated in their contracts and little things and i was like you know what i can do this like as long as i have someone to translate for me or whatever at the time like i can do this because i know what i'm worth like compared to the other players and uh, i found out like you know what a lot of the top guys were making i knew what i was making um and then like, I kind of like did do like little weird things too. Like my mom, like I said, my mom's a flight attendant. So I negotiate that into my contract and say, I want, you know, an extra, however many dollars a month or whatever. Then I say, okay, I'll pay for my flights over. or I can get my flight for, you know, 500 bucks instead of you guys paying 1500 bucks. Like let's add that extra money to my contract or, um, you know, I want my own, like in Zelb, I wanted my CCM helmet. So I say, okay, I'm going to do this. And I don't know. I just, yeah, I was able to uh, negotiate for myself and freely speak on what I wanted. And um, it ended up working out. It's a little intimidating going in there with an owner or a, a general manager and talking, but like at the end of the day, like it's, I don't know, it's, I'm fighting for my life or what I believe in. So it's all worked out and it's kind of cool at the same time at the same time like saying that i've done my own contract so yeah who knows could be uh you know steps for life after hockey it's funny <laughs> the fact that you just brought that ccm helmet that makes me laugh because <laughs> that first year guy guy gets a ccm helmet put in his contract just to wear for practice because the, <laughs> the gold helmet is a warrior that he has to wear in the game so congratulations on that contract <laughs> self self's probably like wow this guy's an idiot he just wants to wear this in practice and in warm-up like <laughs> well that's what they Instead too, and I I literally wore it every game aside for like three or something. Um, yeah, it was nothing against Warrior. It just it has that sweat pad, um, like on the forehead, and then like in the third period when you start sweating a lot more, and you'll like kind of crinkle your forehead or like take a hit, and then water just drips on your face and it gets all over your half shield, and you can't see. Or like in between periods, you take it off and it gets cold, and you put it back on. It's just a cold, wet rag like on your forehead and interesting concept like i get where they were going from with it like it soaked up the sweat but it was just like they didn't think that one all the way through so (laughs) 
It's all good, man. You don't have to sell it to me. As you can see, I'm currently wearing a CCM shirt. So we're on the same, the same page. Um, so Nick Miglia, how long do you, uh, do you see yourself playing for, you know, you're, you're 31 years old. So what's the, what's the goal? Do you have a plan for that or just kind of taking it, you know, contract to contract at the moment? Yeah. Contract to contract. Um, so I have another two years. I signed a two year extension, as you know, in, uh, December, November of this past year. So, um, definitely looking to fulfill that and play that and stay in Zelb and then, uh, we were talking a little bit before off the podcast. If I'm able to get my German passport, that would mean longevity for me as well. Not just for like, um, I don't know, it's it's job security. Like I'm not an import anymore. So I'm not fighting to be on a, a team of four or a spot of four. I have, you know, I have 16 other spots I can play for as a German. Um, so definitely feel great uh love the game enjoy coming to the rink every day so um want to play as long as i can and it's the best job in the world like you know you work three hours a day and is that if you really call that work it's work um and then you kind of have the rest of the day to play xbox and hang out and um do whatever i mean i'm happy i love it my body feels great so um yeah we'll see i'm gonna take it contract to contract but i loving what i do no it's very true a lot of people uh forget to enjoy the moment they forget to you know it's not the nhl i've said this before but everyone has their own uh goals in life their own highlights and yeah like you're getting paid to to do something you love and to go to the rink for three four hours a day and the rest of the day you can do what you want and you obviously take care of your body so i think you'll be on the longer side of longevity. And also, as you said, if you get that German passport, like that just adds another thing to your resume and also brings more money because uh, good German players like yourself, uh, they're more expensive, you know, than the bidding war starts. So I hope you can, you can get it. Have you thought at all, whenever one day, you know, we all have to stop playing one day, like what's, what's next for you? Have you thought about that at all? Or is it still just kind of a little bit here and there? And I always, get asked that question um like people that are like older friends that are concerned like what are you going to do after hockey and um yeah i've thought about it here and there but you can't really plan for life like i've kind of learned that since like college and even before like you kind of have a plan in mind but um different things happen so um you know maybe i'd like to get into coaching or like doing an agent thing or um something along those lines like i really want to stay in the game and my dad uh, still coaches baseball and he's 62 now. He's been out of the game for however many years. And um, yeah, I mean, I love the game and I want to stick around it, but I've also met some uh, really well off people who have businesses and uh, connections that I'm going to reach out to as well. So um, I kind of have a, a couple different routes I can go. I mean, I have my uh, college degree. We'll, we'll see, you know, whatever makes me happy or I'll, test out a couple things but uh, um i think the first thing i want to try is probably coaching but we'll see who knows that's good at different avenues different ideas uh guys like us i think down the road if you can have multiple streams of income that's always good i do know that you could possibly uh start as a lawyer somewhere we have been in court together uh (laughs) (laughs) another another nick not mine I don't know. You didn't get off it. So I'm over one on right now in my cases. But, uh, um, 
two more two more questions for you and then I'll let you go here. Um when you look back at your at your career so far, obviously it's still going, so you're not done yet. But when you look back at it, did you think you would have the career you've had so far and played in the places you have? Definitely not. Like I like you said, breaking the mold, like I'm lucky to be where I am now. Like I'm very, very fortunate and I've kind of just gotten opportunities and made the most of them and ran with them. Like I was not even a top five player on my college team or a top 10 player. I was uh, my junior year going into my senior year. My coach said, Hey, I recruited to replace you. So when you come back, you do not have a spot on this team. And uh, I thought he was joking. I came back and was on the team, but I was not in the top five lines. I was on the sixth line, like with myself and like another freshman who like had a torn ACL or something. Uh, so I was one of three seniors and first, uh, night of our senior year, I was in the lineup and it was, uh, kind of a slap in the face. So I went out and fought our six, four, uh, junior captain. And then from then on out, I let the coach know like, Hey, I'm here. I'm not messing around. And, um, no, I feel very fortunate. Like this past weekend, I was playing in a, uh, men's league, uh, tournament and there were some guys in the federal hockey league on my team and a goalie who plays division three for Plymouth state. And just kind of looking back when I was, you know, at their, in their shoes at one point, like I never played that league, but um, just kind of like not having a place to go and how things kind of worked out from going division three to where I am now. Like there's ex NHLers in this league and in the same spot, I am very fortunate and very happy, but it's also not luck. Like I do work very hard. Like I'm in the gym every day and, and skating and, uh, yeah, I feel very blessed and thankful to be doing what I'm doing. It's a good way to look at it for sure. And and last one here, this is what I ask all our, all our guests kind of for the younger generation, people listening. So if there was one piece of advice or maybe multiple pieces, if you have them, you would give your younger self, what would they be? So if you were talking to Nick Miglio back when he's 16, 17, 18 years old, what side of, what kind of advice would you give him? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, but I think these are all things that I was told at a young age and kind of ran with them because I thought they make sense. So the first one was like, treat everyone with respect, like treat the Zam guy at the rink with the same respect that you would treat your owners, um, you know, learn people's names and be nice to everyone, whether they're, you know, like a janitor at the rink or whatever, like be nice because you never know. Um, same with the equipment managers, like have respect for them tip them, uh, be nice to them. And then the other thing is like work hard and, um, you know, like don't take any days off, like every day in practice, every drill go 100% and, um, you know, work your bag off, uh, cause it pays off down the road. Like, you know, maybe that you get half a percent better every day, but that's in the long run, it's gonna, um, gonna add up and, um, kind of goes along with that, but dress for the job you want, not the the job you have. So if you're going into interviews or doing stuff or, um, I don't know, I think that all kind of makes sense. And that's stuff that I've kind of lived by and, um, tried to incorporate into my day-to-day life is working hard and treating people right. Well, there's definitely good things to live by. And I think, as you said, it's clear that that stuff you've lived by, um, just how you treat people you know, your eth- your work ethic, how you treat the job, as you said, like enjoy it every day. Uh, 
you know, these are reasons why, and it wasn't just started at pro hockey. This is something that was instilled in you from a younger age. And mm-hmm. this is why you've been able to shed that, that mold. We talk about the D3 mold, the Overliga import mold, the stigmas, uh, you know, you're one of few guys that have been able to f- do it and have success doing it. So that's definitely a testament to, to you as a person, uh, not just as a hockey player, but as a person. So I'm hoping all the people listening, young listeners out there that you take what Nick was saying. And, and this is, you know, as I said, another guy that has defied the odds and it doesn't matter if you take off at 18, take off at 24, you know, everyone has their own path. And I think that's, what's important. And the reason that I try to have guests on every week. So Nick, I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah. We didn't good. get to talk about my shirt too. This is a new, uh, I don't know if it's in mirror mode or not, but pro y'all. There's a little uh, German town in Texas, like uh, 45 minutes away. It's like they have an Allstat there. They have like a bunch of German breweries. And I saw it and it was like the perfect mix of two uh, worlds, Germany and Texas. And I had to pick this up. So <laughs> you can go, you can make your way down there and you can practice yeah. your German with them and get ready for yeah. a big test. I tried. I, I uh, tried talking to them. They didn't speak German. They didn't have any uh, hellish beers. So I was really disappointed in them. And, uh, <laughs> But I had my schnitzel and my uh, my sauerkraut and all that. So <laughs> no hell, it's just a pills, eh? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just water in the off season. Yeah, for all those listening, water and water only. And I wasn't drinking a beer; I was drinking a Pellegrino flavored water. So I know, honestly, when we first went on, I was Not like, "Is he drinking like a like a tequila something drink?" And then I was like, "No, it's a Pellegrino." <laughs> <laughs> No, but then I appreciate you coming on and telling your story and uh, it's still going. So I think that's great. And hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully this podcast is still going down the road. Maybe when you're done and you're German and you're on to your next step, we can have you on. Cause I, I know your story, especially there's, we only got so much in, like there's still more to talk about. There's some funny stories. We can get into that lawyer story, how we're all in one in the courtroom uh, <laughs> down the road. But yeah, again, Nick, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me and congrats on uh, the wedding and everything. And hopefully we'll see you uh, soon in Zelb or, or if not in Germany in the next few months. Yeah, I'll come see see some games for sure if uh, if I'm not back in Zelb. But appreciate it. And uh, yeah, as always, for those listening, until next week, cheers and ciao.